0: Sean McDermott confirmed he is calling the defensive plays. The team signed safety Taylor rap and Brandon bean addressed some of the biggest rumors. Folks. We've got a lot to discuss today on locked on bills. You are locked on bills. Your daily Buffalo bills podcast. Part of the locked on podcast network. Your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Lockdown NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Lockdown Bills. want to thank you for making Lockdown Bills your first listen every day, and please be sure to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, folks, there is a lot to get into today. The Bill signed Safety Taylor wrap, so we're going to talk about that in segment two. In between, Sean McDermott announcing that he's going to be the defensive play caller for the team next year, so I want to share my thoughts on that. And then Brandon Bean also met with the media at the league owners meeting in Arizona And he addressed some of the big rumors about DeAndre Hopkins and Odell Beckham Jr. and Calais Campbell and compensatory picks. So we got a lot to get into here today. I know yesterday I said it was my intent to do herd mentality today. We'll push that one more day because obviously a bunch of news came through that needs our attention. Let's start with Sean McDermott announcing himself as the defensive play caller at the league meeting. He confirmed what we suspected. Sean McDermott is going to be the defensive play caller. Obviously, he's going to lean on the rest of his staff. There's a lot of experience on this staff, whether it's Al Holcomb, Eric Washington, John Butler, Bobby Babich, a lot of guys that he's familiar with. And several of those I thought could be named the defensive coordinator and handle those play calling duties. But Sean McDermott's going to take this upon himself. Coordinating defense and calling plays on defense is what got Sean McDermott the opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL. He was a very good defensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. Was there for six seasons from 2011 through 2016. During that stretch, the Panthers were top 10 in total defense four times, including four seasons in a row, 2012, 13, 14, and 15. They were top 10 in takeaways in each of his last four seasons. They were top 10 in sacks in five of six seasons, including 2013, where they were number one in the NFL, and then his last season, 2016, they were second. In the NFL in sacks. Sean McDermott has a proven track record of coordinating and calling good NFL defenses. Obviously, that's what got him the chance to interview with the Bills. And what's funny about that is your success within whatever you are responsible for before coming a head coach is what gets you a chance to interview to be a head coach, but Being a head coach is obviously really about leadership, right, and being able to establish a culture. And Sean McDermott, for the first part of his time with the Bills, obviously got a chance to embrace all of that, right, being the true CEO of the team. And I don't think any of that's ever going to change. But now he's calling the defensive plays. I guess I like it. Sean McDermott, right? I mean, he's, like I said, had a good track record of coordinating defense and calling defense in the NFL. But am I a little surprised he wasn't ready to give those duties to a John Butler or a Bobby Babich or an Eric Washington? I'm a little surprised, yeah, honestly, I am. But to me, this is Sean McDermott taking full ownership in his defense. I know that he's a defensive-minded head coach, but it felt like at every turn he was willing to give the credit to Leslie Frazier, saying it's Leslie Frazier's defense. All the success the Bills have had defensively, it's been a thing. I know that they've certainly let us down in the playoffs, but some really, really elite regular season defenses. And Sean McDermott's always given that credit to Leslie Frazier. But what I like about this is there's really no excuse, right? There's no wondering McDermott's influence. It's gone. There's no wondering if the Bills defense has a letdown in the playoffs again, There's no wondering who we should really be pointing the finger at. And I think that says something about Sean McDermott to be willing to undertake that. 17 coaches in the NFL, 17 head coaches in the NFL have some sort of play calling duty. So this isn't an uncommon thing. It's pretty normal. More than half the league. Some things that I want to mention about the current state of the defense that do have me concerned. And it's really the front seven. The front seven on this football team has me all kinds of nervous right now. Now, before I get into specifically what has me concerned, there's nothing worse than being bad in the front seven on defense in the NFL. It's demoralizing. You can't stop teams. You can't get off the field. They keep the ball out of your offense's hands. And in this case, Josh Allen's hands, it's demoralizing. Think about some of those losses throughout the years, the Colts loss during the regular season, the Eagles loss, where you just know you don't have the dudes on your defensive front seven to compete. They're running on you, gashing you, You're not getting to the quarterback. They're completing passes all over the place at will. I hate that so much. Now, obviously, the NFL is about scoring points. Well, it's also about keeping points off the board, too. And I want the Bills to prioritize offense. I want them to score 35 points a game. All of that's absolutely true. But I'm concerned about the current state of this defensive front seven obviously the biggest hole is that middle linebacker where Tremaine Emmons is not there. And as things currently stand, you're looking at a competition between Terrell Bernard, Balen Specter, and Tyrell Dotson to be your Mike linebacker. So when Sean McDermott's, I guess first year as the bills defensive play caller. He's going to be relying on as it stands right now, one of those three dudes to call the huddle, to make sure people are lined up, are you kidding me? The guy that had Luke Keekley in Carolina, the guy that had Tremaine Edmonds in Buffalo, is going to sign up for that? Something's got to be coming at middle linebacker. But also defensive end and defensive tackle are concerns. Defensive tackle, you have Daquan Jones, good player. Ed Oliver, good player. Tim Settle, eh. And nothing else. Jordan Phillips, not back right now. So you need a fourth defensive tackle right now. Somebody's going to play like 30% of your defensive snaps. He's going to be on the field a third of the time. That player has not been identified right now. And as I've said said repeatedly, Daquan Jones, Ed Oliver, Tim Settle, none of them are signed beyond this season. So you have short and you have long-term issues at defensive tackle. At defensive end, I'm excited about Greg Russo. I'm excited about Von Miller. But Von Miller is 34 and is coming off of a torn ACL that he suffered on Thanksgiving. I'm hopeful that he'll be back soon, ready to pick up where he left off. But you just never know how guys come back from injuries. And to Von's credit, he's done it a couple of times and done it successfully. But do we know right now? Are we looking right now at a situation where if Von Miller is not available to start the season, that it's Greg Rousseau and A.J. Epinesa as your other starter with Boogie Basham as defensive end three? That makes me all kinds of nervous. So I think you've got some significant things to be mindful of here at defensive tackle and defensive end in addition to middle linebacker as Sean McDermott prepares – to be the defensive play caller for this football team. Now, there's still a lot of time between now and whenever week one is. There's a draft. There's more players you can sign. There's other ways to fix these issues. But right now, those are unresolved issues, and I'm excited to see how it comes together because I can't imagine this being what they enter the season with. Not for how much Brandon Bean preaches defensive line. And not only does he preach it, obviously, he's made a lot of investments. And I know that the amount of investments that haven't turned out annoys a lot of people, and that kind of pushes you away from more investments there, to which I say, it's still not good enough. You still need more. Just because you've invested to this point and it's not worked out doesn't mean you just stop doing it. We all know that it's been a problem but it's still not good enough. And right now it's worse than it's ever been, potentially. Maybe that was a little unfair, but in comparison to last year and the year before and kind of the growth that we want to see from this defensive line. So we'll see, but I want to see some of those things addressed here and feel a little bit better about this defensive front seven because I think right after quarterback play and obviously protecting quarterbacks and getting after quarterbacks, That front seven's critical on defense, critical. And I want to see the Bills be better from a personnel perspective with it. All right, well, the Bills made an addition here. Taylor Rapp signed. We'll talk about that here in the next segment. But first, let me tell you about FanDuel. The NCAA tournament is heating up, and now is the perfect time for you to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, let's talk about Taylor Rapp. The Bills signed him or are expected to sign him to a one-year deal. Brandon Bean shared that he's actually on vacation with his wife in Hawaii and obviously needs to come to town, uh, take a physical and, and sign, but all of that's expected to happen. So let's talk about Mr. Taylor Rapp. 25 years old, turns 26 in December, was a second round pick by the Los Angeles Rams out of Washington in 2019, was number 61 overall. His verified measurements 5116. So he's 511 and three quarters, 208 pounds, 30 and three quarter inch arms, nine inch hands. So pretty decent size. As far as athletic testing, 35 inch vertical jump, that's an average test. 115 inch broad jump, that's below average. A 682 three cone, which is an excellent time. A 399 short shuttle, which is an elite time. And then 17 bench press reps, which is average. Now, that gets you to an RAS score of 565, which is, again, relative athleticism score. A 10 is perfect. RAS is or excuse me, 565 RAS is kind of on the lower side of average. Now that number does factor a 478 40 yard dash from Taylor Rapp's pro day. He didn't run the 40 at the combine. He ran it at his pro day. Um, and obviously that time is very, very poor. 478 is not good. But there's some things to be mindful of there. First of all, without that pro day 40 factored in, he would have a RAS score of 746, which is pretty solid. Now, pulling up a tweet from Dane Brugler uh, from The Athletic, who is just exceptional at covering the NFL draft, one of my go-to sources. Dane tweeted on April 26, 2019, I believe that was probably day one of the NFL draft. There was some thought out there that Taylor Rapp could be a first round pick. And this is what he tweeted about. Uh, that 40 time, he said several teams have flagged Washington safety Taylor Rapp with a hip flexor issue, which is good and bad news for him. The good news is team believe that the injury likely contributed to his four seven eight forty yard dash. The bad news is that some teams are worried about the injury, which could affect where he is drafted tonight. So there's a little context for you, uh, because I don't think anybody who's ever watched Taylor Rapp thought he was that kind of slow. I mean, four seven eight is really poor time for a safety. Very poor. And you watch Taylor Rap, and you 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 don't really feel like he's speed deficient. Yet. You don't necessarily think he's a burner. But four seven eight is just not just not the type of range that you would expect, especially when you consider how good those agility scores were, and and really the other tests were fairly decent. So. It is what it is on that 40, time, but I wanted to kind of bring all the information to the table there. As for his NFL career to this point, uh, four seasons, obviously, with the Rams in 2019 as a rookie. He played in 15 games with 10 starts. 2020, played in nine games with five starts, but he had a knee injury in November, which ended his season. 2021 was the year the Rams won the Super Bowl, and Taylor Rapp was a 17-game starter. Now, unfortunately, in the last regular season game, he suffered a concussion, which forced him to miss the first three playoff games. But he he did come back and play in the Super Bowl and had seven tackles and was a Super Bowl champion and actually proposed to his girlfriend after the game, now wife. So there you go. He, they're together in Hawaii. So I guess they got married and everything went well. Uh, in 2022, he was a 16-game starter. So this past year, he started 16 games. So a fair amount of experience. Playing starting in the NFL, he does have nine interceptions across those four seasons, twenty-three pass breakups, and those are good numbers in terms of ball production. He's a versatile player, has plenty of experience as a deep safety, as a split zone safety, as a box safety, as a slot player. He's he's really been used in a number of ways during his four years with the Rams. Uh, so you love the versatility. You love the ball skills. He's got great ball production, and then he's an excellent, excellent tackler. Only a 6.6% missed tackle rate for his career, which is outstanding. Very, very good tackler. So Taylor Rapp's a player I'm familiar with. Now, I would say that I, I would like to fully study his tape to go in on all of his strengths and weaknesses, but I have a very solid understanding of who he is from kind of following him through his time at Washington and then with the Rams. And obviously he's a guy that in my mock offseason season that I did a couple weeks ago, he was the guy that I actually had the bill signing to replace Jordan Poyer. So that gives you an idea of the type of player I think Taylor Rapp is. I think he's a starting caliber safety in the NFL. Now you're probably wondering, well, why didn't somebody sign him to start? That's a good question. I would say that the safety market is always extremely strange, whether it's Good draft prospects, they just tend to get pushed down a little bit. And then even free agency, where somehow Jordan Poyer comes back for two years, $12.5 million. There's good safeties out there right now that you could sign. Taylor Rapp, obviously, is, is on that list. I think John Johnson's still out there. He's been a good starter for a number of years in the NFL. So safety valuation across the NFL, whether it's draft or free agency, is always very, very confusing to me. It's, it's just, you just never know. That's why I think Brandon Bean was very smart to call to call Jordan Poyer out. I, I wouldn't say call him out, but to just let it play out and say, look, hey, if you think you can go get this four-year, $64 million deal, like, go do it, man, but I, this is what we have for you. And so I think Brandon Bean's played the value there quite well as it becomes necessary as this team becomes more expensive. But Sean McDermott also said during his press conference that he was a player. Taylor Rapp was a player that they had down as an option to replace Jordan Poyer. So we, we, me and Sean McDermott slash Brandon mean, we saw this very similarly. Now, how does he fit into this defense, right? Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are your starters. It's a one year deal. Well I would say a couple of things here. First of all, three safety sets are becoming more prevalent in the NFL and I especially think about it as a potential counter for the Dolphins right and the way that they want to attack the middle of the field and run their RPO stuff and use Waddle and Hill to really stress defenses I think a guy like Taylor Rapp can help you match up a little bit with that especially without Tremaine Edmonds in the middle of the field in coverage so I think you can tap into some more scheme, diversity, three safety sets. You can give yourself some some different looks from time to time with that skill set, especially because between Poyer, Hyde, and, and Rap, you got three guys that you feel like can all align as a one high guy, split zone, in the box, slot, a lot of versatility with those three players. So it gives you some real opportunities to be – creative but there has been this influx of three safety sets in the NFL and so that's certainly an indicator to me that that could be on the table for the Bills but also what a great opportunity to get a year of familiarity with this player a player that you are already identified as a potential starter for you you've already looked at him through that lens should you have lost Jordan Poyer well now you got a year for him to play behind Poyer and Hyde and see what type of duty is and feel like if this is a player that you can actually have as a successor to Hyder Poyer. So there's short and long-term appeal with this signing. And so, I mean, like I said, I I thought he'd be a good player to sign to start if you didn't get Jordan Poyer back. They signed him to be a reserve and third safety. And so obviously I'm pretty excited about the signing of Taylor Rapp to this football team. Well, folks, Brandon Bean also spoke to the media at the league owners meeting and addressed a lot of the big stuff. Hopkins, Calais Campbell, OBJ, comp picks. We're going to get to all of that here in just a second. But first, I need to tell you about Built Bar. The Built March Madness Bracket is here, and we all know that you have a favorite bar or puff, and now is the time to make it count. Go to Built marchmadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know, I'm going to be voting for the brownie batter puffs uh and if you have a favorite, you got to head on over to builtmarchmadness.com to support your favorite and when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you're going to be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky lockdown listeners will get a free box of built. Not only that, but one lockdown fan will get a 12-month subscription to have built sent right to your door each month, so you got to try these things. If you haven't yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. They're the best tasting protein bars on the planet. I eat like a couple a day. I actually had a white chocolate cookies and cream before I, I recorded this podcast. Uh, they're amazing. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. They're low-fat. They're low-calorie, high in protein, so if you're looking for more lean protein in your diet, you got to try out Built Bars. They are absolutely delicious, so run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorites and uh, pick up a box while you're there. You could vote every single day in March, so hop in and support your pick. All right, let's uh, close out our conversation today by considering some of the big stuff that Brandon Bean got into during his press conference at the league owner's meeting. And obviously the big one is DeAndre Hopkins. We've been on Hopkins Watch since last week or thinking about it nonstop, or at least I am. Maybe I'm not speaking for you, but I'm thinking a lot about DeAndre Hopkins and trading for him and what that looks like in this Bill's offense. So this is what he said. He said, social media is social media. Don't take that too far. Our name gets thrown into a lot of things. Sometimes we've done 1% of what's been reported. I don't know that that squashes Hopkins to the bills. The Cardinals, if I'm not mistaken, gave Hopkins permission to speak directly with teams, which should help in the negotiations, because obviously there's a financial piece of this, whether it's a restructure for Hopkins contract or a new contract, that whatever team trades for him is going to have to consider. So allowing him to have those conversations is going to help a a trade move along. And a lot of times these types of rumblings happen now, and then during the draft, the trade happens, right? And I think that could happen here. So hop watch continues. Brandon Bean didn't come out and say, "Yeah, we're in," which I would never expect him to say, but he also didn't say, "We're out." And so we'll we'll pump the brakes a little. we'll We'll uh take a deep breath. We'll be mindful of the possibility, but it certainly didn't feel like anything was imminent. So that's what he had to say about DeAndre Hopkins. As for Odell Beckham Jr., he said that they're not out on OBJ. And the appealing thing about OBJ is, well, first of all, you don't really have to trade any assets for OBJ. Uh, you, You can just sign them to a contract. And you don't have to work through those contract dynamics of the deal that already exists for DeAndre Hopkins. You can structure it from the ground level with an OBJ. Obviously, it feels like there's a lot of buzz and rumblings and smoke as it relates to OBJ as an option for the New York Jets. And so we'll see what happens there, but I'll say this. From a skill set perspective, I think OBJ is a better fit for the Bills offense. I really do. He's uh, a separator, a guy that I think is a really detailed route runner. A little bit of versatility there, maybe more than Hopkins. Hopkins obviously has like the best hands in the league. OBJ has great hands too. Unbelievable body control, but he's also a guy where that chemistry with that quarterback really matters, where spot throws are part of it, contested catches. And I've I've seen Josh Allen work better with receivers like OBJ than I have with DeAndre Hopkins. So if all things were exactly the same, and they're not, they're not all all things are not the same here because OBJ is obviously his own personality. So is Hopkins. Hopkins is coming off of a suspension last year and a knee injury than a year before. OBJ is coming off of an ACL tear two years ago. There's a lot to be mindful of. So there's there's dynamics with both receivers that you want to be mindful of, but if everything were the same, I would rather have OBJ, but I'd like to have one of them. I'll tell you that. I'd like to have one of them. Uh, this was fun. The the compensatory pick conversation, um, has got back to Brandon Bean. And so he had a comment to make on that. He said, uh, that he believes that they're in line to receive a third round pick in 2024 for the loss of Tremaine Edmonds. And he said that any remaining free agent moves won't compromise that. And so you can be assured that any player that the Bills sign as an unrestricted free agent will be for under that, I think it's like $2.5 million per season. Now, let's clarify some things here. I talked last week about how you should not obsess over compensatory picks, and and I, I stand by that. However, the Bills are in a good position to get a third-round pick. And the whole point that I made about not obsessing over compensatory picks is that I think limiting the player pool that you're willing to bring in players to your team is a foolish idea and that you should try to build the deepest, most talented roster possible every offseason. We're at the point here where you can start to ask yourself, Would we rather sign this player or have a third-round pick in 2024? But also, you can still explore other avenues, whether it's a trade, whether it's a player that's available but not an unrestricted free agent, so a guy that was cut from another team. And there will be more cuts coming after the draft, right? Sign some – or draft some players that now makes other guys more, you know, expendable – Maybe there's some cap savings that you can have, and so there's going to be more players that come free that you can look at. But also there's a certain date, and I don't know what that date is. I think it's sometime in late May or maybe early June where players that you acquire no longer count towards the formula. So not only were the Bills trending towards getting this third-round pick, but also Brandon Bean came out and said that any remaining moves in free agency will not compromise that third-round pick. So right now, we can pretty comfortably assume the Bills are going to have an extra day two pick in 2024, and that's fun. The last thing I want to mention here that Brandon Bean said is that there's no visit scheduled with Calais Campbell. Uh, There's some rumblings uh, late last week into the weekend about the Bills having interest in Calais Campbell, and maybe they do. There just won't be a visit as part of that at this point in time. Um, Calais Campbell, obviously, a, a relationship with Greg Rousseau. He would very much make me feel better about this defensive line that I shared my concerns about earlier in this conversation today, um, and so I'm hopeful there. I would love a guy like Melvin Ingram or a guy like Justin Houston. Right, these are these are the types of guys that I would hope the Bills can bring in and really solidify this D line rotation and have some vets. Have some vets to go with some of these young players, not having to sit there and hope that Boogie Basham takes a step or Tim Settle can be better. You know, go ahead and get yourself some experienced vets to round this thing out and see if you can't have better production overall. And maybe one day we'll stop talking about <laughs> the defensive line and how it's not good enough. But that day is not today. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. Tomorrow's probably going to be herd mentality. Maybe we'll get a bunch of news that we have to react to. So um, one way or another, we're talking Buffalo Bills football here for you tomorrow on Locked on Bills. So make sure you're subscribed would love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills. And I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.